Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast this week. Joseph, tell us how you're doing. Hey, I'm doing well. Just living life to the fullest. (laughs) And busy, busy. Busy as usual. And I think that's a good thing, but it does get a little overwhelming from time to time. So, but I'd rather be busy than not. I heard you've got some new stuff happening in your life. Do you want to tell our listeners about it? Oh yeah, because I'm not busy enough. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I decided in July to get my real estate license. And so I have since gotten it tested and passed and I've picked a company, a broker, and I'm officially licensed as a real estate realtor as of Friday. I love it. I think that is a perfect fit for you. If I was selling a house today or buying a house, I would buy and sell from you. (laughs) Well, thank you. Let's hope a lot of people feel that way. (laughs) I do. I can't imagine why they want you. You act with integrity and I think you know houses. You've bought and sold houses. You fixed houses up. I think you're kind of, I think it's a perfect fit for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Exciting. When Uh, I retire, I'll come decorate the houses for you. I'll come stage them. Sounds good. (laughs) How are things with you? What's going on? Things are good. I just spent uh, the last four days at a conference in San Antonio. I went to the annual um, update on addiction studies that is hosted by the TAP, Texas Association of Addiction Professionals. It's the biggest conference in Texas, probably the biggest conference in the nation for addiction. We had about 1,000 people there. I venture to say about 50 treatment centers um, there exhibiting. Just pretty amazing. And the theme was disco. Uh And I've never seen more participation from the attendees before ever. They they had a disco inferno dance that they said took place in at Studio 54. You got to walk through red on a red carpet through the red velvet ropes and go in and they had the village people performing and they had oh, a dance off. Wow. It was just, I've been to many of those things and people don't usually participate like that. Even I dressed up in the eighties, I mean, in seventies garb, but what people don't know is I actually wear those clothes to work today. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, that sounds that. really neat. It was, it was good to get back in the mix and networking with my peers sure you met a lot of people. I did. Lots of people. It's good to know there are that many people out there in the helping profession. Mm -hmm. And I want to welcome all of those that I talked to who said they were interested in listening to our podcast. Excited to have new listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. And for the past couple of episodes, we've been going uh, on kind of down a theme of talking about emotions. And we're going to follow that today, talking about emotional Uh, regulation and mindfulness. So emotional regulation and mindfulness. What is that about? What does that mean? You remember back in episode 78, when we talked about emotional intelligence, we had an acronym and it was ruler. The last R stood for regulate. So we wanted to go into a little more depth with emotional regulation. And like we always do, we define what it means. So emotional regulation is the ability or the skill 
to influence or control our own emotional state. And it could also involve maybe being able to decrease the negative emotions and increase the positive you ones you experience. So, you know, emotions, they can be threatening or they can be rewarding, but if we kind of get a regulation on them, we can use them as a compass to just guide us in our understanding of what they are and what they're there to tell us. Yeah. And there's some components. There's three components to emotional regulation. And the first one is uh, initiating actions triggered by emotions. The second one is inhibiting actions triggered by emotions. And the third one is modulating responses triggered by emotion. The third one being the healthier choice. So initiating, inhibiting, modulating. That sounds like we need to be aware to know what's happening there with our emotions. Emotional regulation really allows us to filter the most important parts of the information through, and it helps motivate us to attend to our emotions effectively. Mm -hmm. um, studies on emotional regulation show that uh, correlation between emotional regulation and being able to regulate depression. Wow. Yeah. And being able to manage our emotions is something we learn along the way as we mm -hmm. grow. It's not an innate skill. Um, we actually choose how we respond and emotions and behaviors are intertwined and come quickly at times. So it may not feel that way, but the truth is our behaviors are all choices. And that's something I talk about on a regular basis. Like you, you get to make choices when it comes to the behaviors and the, or the uh, emotions rather. That's good news and bad news sometimes. I mean, it'd right. be nice to just blame it on our emotions. I know in our research, we found a study and it was like in 2020. So that was like very recently, but it shows that our ability to regulate our emotions starts in childhood and it kind of comes from our relationship that we have with our caregivers. When we're born, we don't know how to self-soothe. We rely on our caregivers to meet our needs and that's natural. That's just how parents, I mean, how babies are and that's called co-regulation then throughout our childhood, we look to our caregivers to teach us about our emotions and what they teach us has a huge impact on how we come to understand our emotions or, or even our beliefs about whether or not we can deal with them. So yeah. it kind of makes sense that people who didn't have like an emotionally supportive environment to develop those abilities, they might have difficulty and have to relearn or learn, learn for the first time as an adult how to regulate their emotions. Yeah, I think this is probably something we see a lot in in clients um, that grew up, you know, in, in environments where they just didn't have the support, they didn't have the education. And so as an adult, you have to learn. Mm -hmm. In order to be a healthy, productive adult, you have to learn how to regulate and how to behave when you feel certain emotions. Absolutely. I, I, so many things that we, like all not all, but many of the videos we show clients and things that I can think of throughout the years talks a lot about emotions in the household when we were growing up. You know, did you get to feel feelings? Were they okay? Which ones were more okay than others? Because our parents can't teach us how to experience emotions if they didn't know how to do it. Right. And that's where some of those messages come in. I always think of like, you know, boys don't cry, you know, let mm -hmm. me give you something to cry about, like those kinds of, you know, toxic messages that we sometimes receive as, as kids growing up where it's not supportive. It's definitely something where you, you just kind of fumble your way through, I think, you know, until you get to a point of being 
an adult or learning that this is a problem and I need to work on changing it. Mm -hmm. That's why I think there are so many relationship problems because you have two children growing up, not learning how to acknowledge and deal with their emotions. They become adults, they get into a relationship and there's just like this chaos Mm -hmm. thing that goes on with, I don't know how to, I don't feel the same way you do. I don't react the same way you do when you feel what you feel. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I've, I've found a lot of the folks that I've worked with, they, they grow up, you know, maybe in a household where everybody screamed and yelled and they either go one way or the other. They either follow that lead or they're the complete and total opposite, non-confrontational, avoided at all costs. Mm-hmm. And like somewhere in the middle is where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So kind of figuring that out. And I don't think it, our parents, like they don't do any of that on purpose. I think of the household I grew up in. We never yelled. We never raised our voice. I thought my parents didn't argue. It wasn't until I was married and out of the house that I asked my mom, like, how did y'all not argue? She's like, we did. We just got in the car and went for a drive and talked it out. So what I, what I didn't get was seeing conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. My parents didn't want us to feel worried if we saw them arguing. So they didn't do it in front of us. So I missed out on getting to see how to resolve conflict and I had to learn how to do it as an adult. So my mm-hmm. parents weren't bad. They thought they were actually being better parents by doing it that way. People tell me they don't argue. I always ask, like, do you talk to one another? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you communicate? Because yeah, exactly. arguments are kind of normal. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's kind of how we argue that, yeah. that makes the big difference. For sure. And- I know in our um, research, we found something called emotional regulation disorder. It's an actual thing that people get treated for. And there are some, some symptoms that come with it. And it, it just means that you, that this disorder impairs your ability to regulate and manage your emotions optimally. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk through some of these symptoms of emotional regulation disorder. Yeah. So the first one on here is um, sudden and unexplained outburst of anger that are aimed at individuals who did not cause harm. Mm, Seen it. Yeah. This can include a lot of like uh, passive aggressive kind of behaviors. I've seen Um, that with clients who are angry with me that they have to go to treatment, although I'm not the one who said they had to go to treatment. mm -hmm. I've definitely experienced that one. (laughs) So the next one is somatic feelings. So kind of like feelings or symptoms that don't really exist, um, not caused by a medical condition. It can include like chronic pain, can't be explained by a medical professional. Like there's no cool evidence to support it. You know, if you're like stuffing a bunch of feelings, that would make sense why you've got this chronic back pain, this chronic Mm -hmm. stomach condition, but there's no reason for it. Right. Self-destruction is another one of the symptoms. So if you're like a self-harmer, you have a lot of extreme suicidal thoughts. That's that's like turning it inward and problems with building and keeping social relationships professionally and personally, which makes sense to me. If you can't manage or regulate your emotions, you probably would have relationship issues. Yeah. I feel like you'd be pretty unpredictable. So that, that would be something people would want to avoid. I would imagine. And if you can't regulate them, that means you don't have the ability to compartmentalize. So it's not just showing up at home, but at work too. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, the inability to focus on meaningful work due to the mind being occupied by negative thoughts or emotions is another symptom. That makes sense where you bring your stuff to work. You Mm -hmm. know, you bring your personal stuff to work. You don't have that boundary. 
Yeah, it spills over. Mm-hmm. And then the last one here is hypersensitivity and poor self-control. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does to me. I think the best news is it all can be learned. We just have to practice, practice, mm-hmm. practice, practice. So we're going to talk about lots of techniques that people can use to begin practicing and use them along, you know, use them as beneficial tools to start learning how to manage your emotions. Some of the great things about these techniques are you can do them almost anywhere. You don't need to be an expert on any of these. Um, They're free. I love something that's free. I love free. (laughs) You can do them by yourself alone. And they're mostly pretty quick exercises, pretty simple, quick things that you can do. I like that. So when you're standing in the line at the grocery store, you can do them. So like, like there's no more excuses. Like I can't afford this. I don't have time for this. I don't know how to do this. I don't like doing things with groups of people. No more excuses. You can try these. So the first one on our lists here is to stop and pause. So take a break. We do not have to react immediately. Everybody Mm. hear that. We do not (laughs) have to react immediately. When an emotion comes up, stop, notice it, pay attention to it, name it. Um, This self-awareness gives us time to explore the feelings rather than allowing that emotion to control us. So just taking a few moments to take that pause and recognize what it is. That if we did nothing else but that, I think it would save many of us a lot (laughs) of that impulsive acting out. Yeah. And the next one is like just mindful awareness, like explore, identify what's going on in the world around you, even like in your own body, uh, what's causing this, what's creating it, what am I feeling? And it can give you a little time to calm down, help you learn more about your emotions, because when we ignore our emotions or we push them away, we are kind of more inclined to act destructively with them. Um, Self-compassion is something that we talk about. I think a lot um, mm-hmm. set aside some time in the day to build emotional regulation skills. It's something that's learned. It's like any other skill, something you have to practice and learn. Some things that you can do, daily positive affirmations, you know, writing two or three things down that a statement about, you know, a belief or something that you want to believe, uh, relaxation and breath control, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in a minute, compassion meditation regular self-care, and journaling, gratitude journaling. One of your favorites. Yes. I'm all about journaling and affirmations. And I think of you every time I hear that as an, op- as an option. You have to at this point. I've said <laughs> <it> so much. <laughs> hey, uh, repetition strengthens and confirms, right? <laughs> and then emotional support. I mean, we all deserve to have emotional support and like don't feel weak because you want emotional support. I mean, most of us can see a therapist. And now that there are virtual appointments, they are so easily accessible. Most of us have the ability to connect with someone as far as a professional goes, but we can also seek support through other people who already have the skill, maybe family members, friends, some support groups. I think of it like as a mentor kind of activity. We have to surround ourselves with the people that behave in the way we want to behave. Like that. Me too. Another one is self-soothing. So any kind of healthy self-soothing behaviors can reduce the toxicity of like anger, sadness, and negative emotions in general. 
Some research shows that self-soothing rather than self-confrontation brings better and faster answers in regards to managing our thoughts and emotions. Mm. So some self-soothing things that you can do, kindness meditation, music meditation. Music is so like powerful. Oh, you know, it can uh... lift you up. It can bring you down. <laughs> so many memories are associated with it. So that's a really powerful tool. And when, um, when it says meditation, sometimes I think people get the wrong idea. I mean, you can just turn your radio up loud and sing along and it's meditative. Mm -hmm. Reminiscence therapy. So looking at, you know, things that have happened in the past, traumas maybe that you've experienced and how you process those and how you move past those. I think a lot of times when we're experiencing, you know, tough situations or trauma, we think that, you know, this is the rest of our life. And mm -hmm. If we stop and kind of go back and you know, reminisce about past and remember the past situations, like probably you've been through something similar or something, you know, along the same lines that, you know, you made it through, you got through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being able to think that through, have the goals, you know, focus on, you know, the process, engage, promote social interactions, improve your mood. Um, all of these things are going to be a result of kind of remembering and focusing back on that. Mm -hmm. and, and if somebody's working through trauma, they may need to do that with a therapist, but mm -hmm. that's just one of the options. Breathing exercises, simple self-care, like taking a hot bath, a massage. Some people like to cook, you know, it's relaxing for them. Taking a walk, exercise, things like that. I like all of those. I'd like to do all of those right now. We'll be back in a moment while Paula goes to self-soothe. And the next one is atten attentional control. So it's a repraisal uh, with the goal of diverting attention away from the negative emotion, looking for what can be gained. So you're looking for the bright side, basically. It's a bad situation. It's negative or painful, but what could be what could be the benefit of having experienced this? Deep breathing, when mm -hmm. emotions, when emotions are overwhelming, um, it may not be possible to be logical, to be rational. So taking a moment, um, this is typically like when you're feeling overwhelmed, that's typically when our fight, flight, or freeze instincts kick in. So in this state, it, it can be impossible really to understand what others are saying and feeling or even be aware of, you know, our own emotions. So the situation calls for us to like slow down, get out of the survival mode that's occurring and just kind of take a moment. Um, deep breathing actually activates our parasympathetic nervous system and will allow us and our bodies and minds to kind of restore balance. But one of the breathe, deep breathing techniques, probably one of the easiest to do anywhere is called box breathing. Um, I actually had a student teach me this once. Um, you can give it a try. It's a pretty simple technique. Just remember four as the box, you know, four sides of a box. So you in inhale while counting to four. Imagine in your mind, four sides, one, two, three, four of the box. Hold for a count of four, then exhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four, and just repeat it as often as you need to. It's a great little technique. I love it. I always go by seven, but I like the box. I oh, like yeah. The form, so whatever it takes you, whatever <laughs> it, whatever you can remember like that. And you can right. do that in the grocery store line. Yeah, absolutely. Sensory grounding. So sensory grounding can help us remain present. And when we're present, our anxiety lessens. Um, the past can fill us with regret. The future can fill us with fear. Present is generally safe. A few of the sensory grounding techniques you can try, splashing cold water on your face, seeing a little you know, hum or him, like have a song, suck, 
I oftentimes have a song stuck in my head, so that's not <laughs> yeah. generally a problem. <laughs> um, but singing or humming, just kind of practicing that, listening to a song through headphones, you know, give yourself time to kind of check out that will help ground you. I don't know what it is about loud music right up in my ears, but it, it always like takes me out of wherever and just puts me right there. Mm. I love it. Loud music stresses me out. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like it a lot, but just for one song, just to rock out to it sometimes when I'm anxious helps me. Uh, the next one is called Jacobson's relaxation technique. And some people might know it better as progressive muscle relaxation. Mm. And you can, it, it's even like shown to reduce blood pressure, migraines, sleep problems. You just kind of find a quiet, comfortable place to sit or lie down, lie, lie on your back. Take a few slow, deep breaths. You breathe in through your nose, exhale through your mouth and start at the bottom of your bottom of your body at your feet and you just tense the muscle group so you tense your feet as tight as you can you inhale for five seconds exhale for five seconds and at, when you exhale you release the tension in the muscle and just work it all the way up um, to your head and it's amazing it not only like is grounding but your muscles are actually more relaxed and if you need like to that. focus on the places, like I have to focus a couple of times on my shoulders because I carry tension there. You'll find where your tension is as you work it up. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I used to do something similar where I would kind of imagine myself like a battery on red and just kind of, you know, green recharging from my toes all the way up to my head, but kind of <laughs> through breathing and stretching, things like that. So I love that. That's like visualization and the muscle. You need to coin that. Let's call that the well, Maxi technique. Take, I can't take credit for it. I actually <laughs> learned it from a therapist. Oh, dang. So, the next one is the five, four, three, two, one technique. Stop. So yeah, say this aloud. So five things you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell one thing that you can taste. So going through this exercise should provide you the distraction needed to allow your parasympathetic nervous system that we talked about earlier to activate, kick in. I've used that technique with children and with and like that are kind of out, of, not out of control. I don't, you know, they're children um, or, or clients that are angry. Like they're just mm -hmm. like angry to the point of escalating where it might, someone might get injured. Because mm -hmm. when you're looking around the room to say, I see a black wall, I see a carpet square. When you're doing that, you have to come to presence. You can't stay in whatever's causing the escalation. Right. Totally agree. So we're going to talk about mindfulness techniques in the next few activities. So let's talk a little bit about what mindfulness is. I think probably by now, most of us have heard of mindfulness and it's a way of meditating. And there's some research that shows us it just as recently as 2019 told us that meditating for as, for as few as eight minutes a day for seven days a week actually helped improve mood and emotional regulation. That's pretty cool to me. It has all kinds of impacts. Um, and it's more than being just paying attention. I think the word mindful kind of means like pay attention to, but it means a little more than that mindfulness actually comes it's a technique that comes from zen buddhism and the research shows us that it actually improves it reduces cortisol levels improves productivity 
reduces stress and tension, improves your focus, your neuroplasticity, and that helps with learning, improves your mood, increases empathy, improves creativity, increases your ability to solve problems. I mean, why wouldn't we want all that? And it's not like taking a pill. It's just mindful meditation. 18 minutes. I mean, that is nothing. I can do it, I think. Yeah. Put it on your calendar. Okay. I got it down right now. So a few examples of ways you can practice mindfulness during the day. The activities included um, that I'm going to mention are specifically designed for individuals who are busy. So they're really, you know, these are not things that take a lot of energy, time consuming, Mm -hmm. you know. So the first one is cloud gazing. So watch the clouds pass, quiet your mind. Um, This is a form of kind of informal meditation. Did you ever do that when you were little, like just lay on the ground and look at the clouds and and like say they're making these shapes and stuff? Mm -hmm. I remember that being very calming. Yeah, very. Same thing about there's like I read a study once that fish tanks bring down your stress and anxiety, something about the movement of the Mm -hmm. water. And it's pretty mindful. Mm hmm. Um, a full body scan. So tune into the sensations of your body to help center you. So pay attention to what's going on, you know, take an inventory of kind of how you're feeling. Uh, virtual reality meditation. So using like VR headsets, those things are become super popular. So there's tons of ways that you can kind of be mindful through different activities that you're actually experiencing through the headset. There's lots of apps that you can use. Um, one of the most popular is called the Trip. T-R-I-P-P. So might check that out. And then we mentioned earlier splashing water on your face. So a cold water plunge or a cold shower. Um, <laughs> cryotherapy might sound excruciating, but using <laughs> cold water therapy has recently increased in popularity. Um, people like it. They're seeing benefits from it. So um, if you don't go full plunge into cryotherapy, even taking like a cold shower can help. Mm-hmm. Um, just turn on the cold water in your shower and stand under it for a few minutes, you know, one to five minutes. Jumping into frigid water is another way people practice this. So jumping into a cold pool or, you know, I know that um, challenge was going around a few years ago with the ice bucket. And, you know, that's something that <laughs> will wake you up for sure. So in some of the if benefits. I could, do it. could you do it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could do it. I could do it. Yeah. Um, Some of the benefits of the cold water plunge, um, it produces positive mood enhancing endorphins, it improves our focus, it reduces symptoms of depression, improves quality of our sleep, Hmm. reduces stress, and speeds up muscle recovery. That's why, you know, these athletes, you see them in ice baths after games. Let me advocate the other side. (laughs) Okay. Sauna or heat therapy. (laughs) I'm for that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like the opposite, obviously, high temperatures, and it helps produce a sweat and that'll help the cardiovascular system and the blood supply to the brain. So any kind of heat therapies, they've also been shown to reduce the risk of neurocognitive de- diseases alien, uh, and, and then alleviate like arthritis, headaches, flu symptoms. You can do that mm-hmm. in a steam bath, a hot shower. So I guess whichever one you want, but I've also heard people do both of them in the same, like go from the cryo to the heat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Close your eyes if it helps. (laughs) Inversion therapy is another one. This is one that I've tried personally. I've tried a few of these, but this one, I have a funny story. So I had an inversion table growing up, which was like basically a 
thing that you get you put on these boots and you hook yourself in and then you flip yourself upside down on this table and um so when i first got it i had it in my bedroom and got all set up so excited and went to flip myself and it went right through the window of my bedroom (laughs) busted out the window (laughs) was not a great start to my inversion (laughs) therapy but um you but didn't get actually, hurt, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Luckily, it was like the pole that was sticking out. So. Oh, God. Yeah. It sounds good. I love it. <laughs> so it's something that really can be helpful. It can help calm your nervous system to go upside down. Um, it gives you kind of literally a new viewpoint. Inverting mm. um, your body has been proven to help you feel more peaceful. Um, it improves your breathing. It increases your core strength, your focus, and also your posture. It's good for like stretching your spine. Um, so lots of healthy things. Did you like um, the results of it? I did. I actually have had a couple of inversion tables in my lifetime and especially like with my back and neck problems, like it's mm-hmm. something that I found have been helpful and not always going completely upside down, but just kind of laying, um, kind of, you know, just feet over your head a little mm-hmm. bit really can help definitely get your blood flowing and oxygenate you. Um, obviously remember to do this carefully. Keep it away from your windows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Consult your doctor. Um, take all the precautions ne- necessary not to hurt yourself. This does involve your neck and spine. So you want to make sure that your neck and spine are in you know, good shape. You're not doing anything to add stress in that, that area. So consulting with your doctor, we definitely recommend that. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer. If you don't have the opportunity to use like an inversion, like uh, inversion equipment, you can do a few other things. So like downward dog or child's pose from yoga practice, you can quickly YouTube that or Google it, see what that is. A headstand, like when you were in school, um, standing just on your hands upside down. I would break my neck if I, I did that today. Without a wall, for sure. <laughs> you can do it on a yoga stool, something like that. Or just hanging your head off the edge of your sofa or off the ed- edge of your bed. You know, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting to me that you could do something that simple. Mm-hmm. Those are good. We that's also. The next one I like. Oh, I do too. We, it, aromatherapy. You know, I mean, I think anyone, everyone can find essential oils these days. And they have been said to have an impact on your mind and your mood. And of course, again, we're not doctors. We're not saying this is the prescription. Uh, but, you know, even if you don't believe that they work on the things that they are said to work on, it's just the enhancement of, you know, a tiny little bit of oil in the corner of your room and the mood that it creates for yourself and the environment that you're in. And so you can also use other things like candles or incense or herbs, but we did some research. So of course, like we're saying, we're not saying that this is or isn't beneficial, but chamomile and lavender for relaxation or anxiety, peppermint, ginger for digestion, rosemary, grapefruit, peppermint, alertness, then um, allspice, amorous, basil, lemon basil are said to reduce tension and stress. I will tell you, I've used a number of these. I use um, peppermint a lot with headaches and muscle tension. And I know lots of people who use frankincense and uh, ylang ylang. I'm saying it wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, they, and, and they swear by it and, and it does help yeah. my headaches. I use like a, um, my office, I have a diffuser and I use mm-hmm. like a mixture of peppermint and eucalyptus and yeah. I find that it's very like energizing and it helps with alertness. Mm-hmm. 
And then I personally definitely love chamomile. I, I love to do chamomile tea for, for steep and also just the smell when you're making tea. Love that. Mm-hmm. My mom gave me chamomile tea, like from the first time we knew what it was. If you had a tummy ache, that was my mom's mm-hmm. cure. That that just the smell from the diffuser, I think is just, it's just amazing for the environment. And I know my son who like is in his 20s, since he was little, they have lavender in a baby wash, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to be calming. So there's something to the smells in our environment. Yeah. I saw they had lavender Epsom salt at the store the other day because I love a good Epsom salt bath. Love That's nice. The, love the yeah. smell of lavender, but during the day, I'm scared to smell it because I don't need anything to put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the next two are about tapping. Um, The first one is EFT tapping. Many therapists are trained to do this for their clients, but it's something that you can actually do yourself as Mm -hmm. well. And how it works, basically, first thing is to sit silently, close your eyes, begin by deep breathing in and out, identify the specific problem that you're having, and then repeat this statement to yourself. Even though I feel blank, feeling we're there, I deeply and completely accept myself as I am. Even though I feel sad, I deeply and completely accept myself as I am. The next one is focus on the positive affirmation and begin a tapping sequence. So a simple and easy learned tapping area is like the eyebrow um, or your meridian point. But there are other points you can tap, like bring together you know, your middle or four fingers, lightly tap the center of your forehead with one finger, um, like your third eye. Um, and then close your eyes and deeply breathe in and out for three to five minutes. Doing it. It feels good. <laughs> we'll include yeah. a link to a YouTube video showing someone demonstrate that. Yeah. Good practice. Finger tapping is basically the same thing. It's just a grounding activity when you're having trouble sitting still or you need to sit still. Um, if you want to get your negative thoughts out, you know, because they raise cortisol, they cause our bodies to kind of go into that fight or flight. You can get back and and you can get back to that parasympathetic rest, digest mode. And how do you finger tap is you bring your hands into your lap, touch your index finger to your thumb, begin to deep breathe on the inhale, touch your middle finger to your thumb. So just move it to the next finger. Then on the exhale, touch your ring finger to your thumb. Then inhale again. When you inhale, touch your pinky to your Uh, thumb and exhale and just go backwards and repeat it as many times as you need to. So those are quite a few techniques that, like we said in the beginning, anyone can do. You can do them in the privacy of your own home, your car, mentioned standing in line at the grocery store. (laughs) So really, these are things that you can kind of practice anywhere and just kind of Picking out one or two of them that really, you know, may help you. You may find that experiencing some different ones and kind of exploring some different ones might be really helpful. So it's a lot of techniques, a lot of uh, good information. And I think overall, just focusing on, like we said at the very beginning, just paying attention to your emotions, learning to regulate, I don't think is super difficult it's just something again that takes time and practice right gotta want to absolutely so we hope you've enjoyed this episode and as always don't forget that knowledge leads to a life lived better thank you for listening to life lived better with paula and joseph